How many times have you looked in the mirror and thought, ugh, I look fat in these pants, or I wish I could wear sleeveless shirts, but I can't because of the chicken wings on my arms. Thanks to movies, magazines, society, and of course, social media, we all have these expectations of how we should be or how we should look. And when we don't measure up, we beat ourselves up. And that can be rough because now you find yourself in a constant battle with the person you spend the most time with yourself. The story you tell yourself about yourself is the story you'll hear more than any other in your life. So today we're going to talk about how to catch the story you're telling yourself, why it matters, and how to steer that conversation in a better direction in a way that feels true and authentic. This is so key, so crucial. If you can catch the story you're telling yourself, and then you can steer it in the direction you want, it can make all the difference. You ready? Let's get to it. Do you ever feel like you know all the diet rules about eat this, but not that, and so you know what to do, but you just have a hard time actually doing it? I'm here to tell you, you are not the problem. Hi, I'm Lizzie. Welcome to the Confident Body Podcast, where we talk about all the mental and emotional parts of weight loss that diets don't tell you. It's time to step past the shame and the guilt from old diets and stop feeling like you're waiting to lose weight in order to fully participate in life. If you're ready to drop the diet mindset and learn what it takes to truly feel happy and confident in your own skin, you're in the right place. Let's get started. All right, all right, hello. Today, we are talking about the story we tell ourselves. Oh, I love this one. I remember the first time I ever heard the phrase, the story I'm telling myself. Um, It was like 2015, I want to say, and I was listening to a book by Brene Brown. I can't remember which one of her books it was because they're all amazing. Um, And she just had, she, she related a story that blew my mind. And so the story was she and her husband were swimming in a lake. They were, you know, on a family vacation and this is somewhere that they had gone when she was a kid. And so it had lots of wonderful family memories. And she was a swimmer. And I believe her husband might have been a swimmer when they were younger. So like this is days of old. And so they're like, hey, let's the two of us go for a swim before the kids get up or something like that. So they swim out into the middle of the lake and um, they pause for a minute. And she looks at him and she's kind of having a, a, a you know nostalgic moment. And she's like, this is really nice. And he looks at her and he's kind of like, yeah, uh, okay. And she's like, whoa, that And so in her mind, she was like, that didn't go the way I thought. And so they begin to swim back. And on the swim back, she's thinking to herself, oh, he's probably thinking that I don't look as hot in my bathing suit as I used to. And um, maybe he's wondering that, you know, that I've gotten older and slower and, you know, kind of all this kind of negative spiral of what is he thinking about her? And they get back to the dock and she, she realizes that, oh, wait a second, this is the story she's telling herself. And so she's like, hold on a second. I thought we had a moment back there and I felt really shut down. And I realized the story I was telling myself was that you were you know, looking at me in my swimsuit thinking I didn't look very good and I was slower and just kind of not the girl you married. And I feel a whole lot of shame and yucky feelings right now. And he's looking at her, he's like, are you crazy? When you said this is a nice moment, you know what I was thinking? I was thinking when we come out later with the kids, I'm going to have to be really careful about all of the boats and the motorboats that are coming through the lake. And if a motorboat comes and they don't see the kids, am I going to dive down, grab them? You know, how long can I stay under the water? So he's thinking about how can I keep the kids safe? And she's thinking about he doesn't like the way I look in my swimsuit. And it's just crazy 
that she had created this whole story in her mind that wasn't at all going on in his mind. And so I loved the phrase that she used, the story I'm telling myself, because when I heard that, I realized, oh, my thoughts are not necessarily true. They're the story I'm telling myself. So the story we tell ourselves is what's kind of going on on the surface of our minds. But in order to understand what's going on beneath the surface, let's talk about a little bit of history. Going to go back in history just for a minute. So back in 1967, before he became known as, quote, the father of positive psychology, Martin Seligman decided that he wanted to study what makes people mentally healthy rather than only focusing on mental illness. And so he did an experiment where he gave a small shock to a dog and he paired the shock with the sound of a bell. So it's very similar to Pavlov, except a lot less ethical. Um, He has since come back and said like he would never do those experiments again. Um, But at any rate, so over time, the dog learned to react to the bell as if it had been shocked, even when the shock was removed. So the dog associated the sound of the bell with a shock. Then he put the dog in a crate with a little divider down the middle. And so the dog could see over the divider and it could get over it easily. On one side of the divider, the floor had a mild electrical current running through it. But the floor on the other side of the divider had no shock at all. So obviously, as you can imagine, if a dog felt a shock on one side of the divider, you would think that it would move to the area that was safe, which kind of makes me think of that show, The Floor is Lava. But, you know, anyway, different story. The crazy part is the dogs that had been conditioned to the shock, but from the bell, they just laid down and whimpered. They could see the other side of the floor, but they didn't try to get to that area to see if there was no shock there. They gave up. The dogs gave up because they had been preconditioned to feel like when there's a shock, there's nothing they can do about it. And part of the experiment as well is that Um, Martin Seligman learned that dogs that had not been preconditioned with the shock, they quickly jumped over the, the little divider and to the other side of the crate. And so he realized that the dogs had developed what he called learned helplessness. Basically, we give up because we feel like there's no chance to win. There's no chance for success. I'm just gonna get shocked no matter what I do. Over time, Martin Seligman noticed similar patterns in people too. When some people experience, you know, persistent failure or a traumatic event, they can develop learned helplessness and convince themselves that nothing they do will work. So they stop trying. Have you ever possibly felt that way on a diet? Does this sound familiar? Like maybe no matter what I try, no matter what I do, it's never going to work. So I might as well give up. We have all felt that way. It's not your fault. But before we move on to what to do about this, I want to continue the story of Martin Seligman because he noticed something strange. Not everyone that he studied developed learned helplessness in the face of trauma or failure or, you know, consistent difficulties. Some people actually succeeded and thrived when other people stopped trying. So like, he was like, what is going on with these people? And so he studied the group of people that were flourishing when they, even when they came across failure and roadblocks and so forth. And he noticed there was something different about this group of people and the way that they explained the events of their lives to themselves. Kind of like the story we tell ourselves. So what Seligman noticed that this group of people, instead of feeling hopeless when they come up, came across failure and difficulties, 
These folks felt optimistic because they created a positive, empowering story around the circumstances of their lives. So how is it that a failure can can impact different people in a different way? Like, let's say the same event happens, but it impacts people differently based on how they explain it to themselves. How does that make sense? And so here's a quick analogy. Imagine you're in a subway and a man walks in with his kids and the kids are like super rambunctious and they're loud and the man is hardly paying any attention to them. And you think, goodness gracious, can't this guy control his kids or at least, you know, be engaged enough to realize that they're being obnoxious and bothering everybody here? And then suddenly he looks up from his days and he's like, oh my God, I'm sorry. I, I just came from the hospital and I just lost my wife, this, my, my children's mother. I don't even know where what's going on right now. I don't even know where I am. And suddenly the meaning of the event you witnessed has completely changed. Instead of seeing a thoughtless father who could not be bothered to parent his kids, you see a grieving husband and two kids who now have to grow up without their mother. The event didn't change. The guy still walked into the subway and the kids were still loud and rambunctious. But the meaning of the event changed dramatically because of the story you told yourself about it. So reality can become flexible based on how we choose to view it. The situations of our, of our lives are neutral. They can like be proven in a court of law. So like the situation of the guy in the subway is like, yes, a man walked in, he had two children, they were loud. Um, so those things are neutral. But it's the thoughts about those events, those situations that we create meaning around. And we are me- meaning-making machines. From the caveman days when we were all cuddled and snuggled around the fire, we were telling stories to each other and to ourselves. That is how we make meaning out of the world, through stories. And there's a a process of how our our thoughts lead to the results in our lives. That is a very step-by-step process that you can kind of dissect and see how one leads to to the other. And I use the acronym STEER to help remember how this works. So S- in STEER stands for situation. The situation in our lives is neutral. Man walked into the subway, that is neutral. Children had a loud volume, neutral. Then T stands for thoughts. The thoughts we have about an event create E, our emotions. So in the first situation, you were thinking to yourself, this guy cannot be bothered to parent his kids. That creates an emotion of, you know, frustration or, you know, or possibly even anger. And then A is actions. So our emotions lead to our actions. So hypothetically, the action you could take is you could say to the man something you know kind of nasty and be like, hey, could you please take control of your children? And the result could be that you end up in a kerfuffle, perhaps. You know, like, I mean, that's a little bit of a dramatic example. Nevertheless, our brains are meaning-making machines. And through the events of our lives, even though they are neutral, they don't feel neutral because of the story we tell ourselves. Okay, so let's take this to weight loss. Let's imagine you had a week where, you know, you you made some good choices and you had some less than healthy choices. And maybe there was one night where you kind of totally blew it out. And then by Thursday or Friday, you tell yourself, oh, I... I had a bad week. It has not been a good week for me. I just need to kind of reset and start over. So let's take the STEER acronym. S is for situation, T is for thought, E is for emotion, A is for actions, and then R is for results. So it's like a waterfall. Again, the situation is a neutral event. The situation could be proven in a court of law. So it's like literally what you ate. 
go through the steps of the waterfall process and like let's look at almost two different um, you know models of this process where you could have the thought of either I had a bad week or perhaps a different thought could be, you know, I had lots of good learning opportunities this week. So let's think about this. The situation is the neutral events and the facts of the week, literally what you ate. So the thought is I had a bad week. What emotions does that create for you? That might create um, feelings of discouragement or despair or maybe even doubt. And so when you're feeling discouraged, doubt, despair, what kinds of actions do you take? Well, generally, when your brain is feeling bad, it wants to feel better. The brains are very straightforward. We seek pleasure and avoid pain. And so when you're feeling discouragement, doubt, despair, your brain is looking for a quick way to feel better. And it knows that the quickest way to feel better is through food because food literally lights up the dopamine centers in your brain. So when you're feeling those feelings of discouragement, you might get the idea of like, well, screw it. I'm just going to go to the, you know, the, the grocery store and get some candy bars and it doesn't matter anyway. And so when you do that, then the results, of course, are the scale goes up, which leads to more discouragement. And then you, you, know, you kind of end up repeating the process. So let's rewind. Let's go back up to the situation. Again, situation is for, you know, steer. Situation is S. It's the neutral events of the week, literally what you ate. Then T is the thought. If you can recognize that you are having the thought, this was a bad week, and you're like, oh, wait, I want to steer my thoughts into a more empowering direction. Now, you still want it to feel true. You don't want to be lying to yourself, but something that feels more empowering, something that feels less negative than I had a bad week. So if you can change the thought to perhaps, I had a lot of good learning opportunities this week. This was there was a lot of chances for me to get curious about, you know, why did I kind of binge on Wednesday night? What was going on? What happened? Oh wait, I remember my sister called and she told me that she's getting a divorce. That's super upsetting. Maybe something like that. So we've got the situation is the same S T. You've steered your thought in a different direction towards I had lots of good learning opportunities this week. E for emotion. What emotions do you feel when you have the thought, I had lots of good learning opportunities? Maybe some emotions you could feel are optimistic, hopeful, curious, maybe even motivated. So then let's go to the next letter. A stands for actions. What kind of actions do you take when you feel hopeful, optimistic, motivated? Generally, you might feel like you have more energy. And so if you're feeling optimistic and hopeful, you could go to the grocery store and say, you know, I think I'm going to pass by the candy aisle today. Maybe I don't need it. And then the result R is you feel proud of yourself. You feel self-confidence. You feel more spring in your step. It compounds and it builds on yourself. Hear this, what I'm about to say. I really want you to stop and pay attention. The thoughts you think are like fuel on your journey. Toxic fuel will never get you to a happy destination. Toxic fuel leads to a toxic destination. Empowering fuel leads to an empowered destination. And listen, it's not your fault. You're not broken. It's very normal to have negative thoughts. Like we're, we're wired for that. It's just your brain trying to protect you. It's your brain trying to keep you safe. Like that is the way that we are wired. Back in the caveman days, we were, you know, the, 
the caveman that, or cave gal, that was always looking for like, how are things, where's the problem? She was the one that survived to pass on her genes. So our brains, our default setting is to look for what's wrong. So it's normal to have negative thoughts. Think about it this way. Like negative thoughts are like germs. Germs are out there. There's nothing, we're never going to eradicate all germs. Nevertheless, it's useful to wash your hands now and then. Like if you walked around, uh, you know, messing in the dirt or like cleaning up dirty diapers and never washed your hands, that would be bad. That's what happens in your thoughts of like negative thoughts are normal. But if you never wash out your brain, you're going to end up with a lot of dirt and perhaps other stuff on your, your hands metaphorically. So having negative thoughts is not the problem. Believing the negative thoughts and getting sucked into them that is where we get ourselves into trouble. So remember, if you're going to have positive thoughts, you've got to think them on purpose. The default setting, if you do nothing, the default setting is to have negative thoughts. So you've got to proactively steer, S-T-E-A-R, your thoughts in a more empowering and positive situation if you want to end up in a more empowering and positive result. Here's a key though. Remember a minute ago I said when you're when you're steering your thought away from the negative thought towards the positive thought, it has to feel at least a little bit true. You can't put whipped cream on a pile of poop and call it ice cream. Like you don't want to be lying to yourself. So let's use an example. Um, perhaps the situation is you put on a pair of pants in the morning and the tea, the thought is, ugh, I look fat in these pants. And you want to catch that thought and you want to proactively steer it in a more positive direction. If you decided, I'm just going to say the opposite, I look amazing in these pants. That's not going to help very much because it doesn't feel true. It feels like you're lying to yourself and then your brain is like, this is not working. This is a bunch of BS. So you've got to go from something that's negative to something that either feels neutral or a little bit better than neutral. So even neutral is a net positive if you're starting with you know a, th- a thought like, I look fat in these pants. So for example, if you wanted to steer your thoughts from, I look fat in these pants, you could say, okay, I want to have a better thought, but telling myself I look amazing in these pants, it feels like I'm lying to myself. So how about I'm wearing pants? Now that can sound a little silly, like, okay, duh, yes, I'm wearing pants. But the thought I'm wearing pants feels a lot better than I look terrible in these pants. So that's a net positive just to go from I look terrible to I am wearing pants. Now, if you want to take a step further, you could look for something like, I really love the way the color of this pants uh, brings out the color of my eyes. You know, you could try and look for something that is more positive. Or if you really truly feel terrible about yourself when you're wearing this pair of pants, change your clothes. You deserve to feel good in your clothes, no matter what size it is. Okay, when you're walking around all day and your clothes feel too tight and they feel uncomfortable and you're that's like a a minute by minute, second by second reminder of I don't like the way I look. I don't like the way I feel. So do yourself the favor of wearing clothes that make you feel good, even if it's in a higher size. That is okay. Give yourself the gift of feeling good in your clothes. Remember, the fuel you use on your journey will determine your destination. So be intentional about the kind of fuel you put into your brain each day. Okay, so here is our confident body, tiny action step that I want you to practice this week. I want you to look in the mirror sometime today and just stop. Listen to your brain. What thoughts are coming up? 
What is that voice inside your head saying? So you don't have to change it. I just want you to become aware of it. So that's step one, catch the thought. Because sometimes those thoughts are so kind of the music, you know, background noise of our brains. We don't even hear it. We don't even know it's there. So approach a mirror and just stop and listen to what that voice inside your head is saying. That's step one. Step two, run through the waterfall process of S-T-E-A-R. And how does that thought make you feel? So for example, I, full transparency here. One of the thoughts that um, often comes to mind when I first look in the mirror is, uh, I look tired. You know, I've got these, it looks like I've got bags under my eyes. And that's a not necessarily the most empowering thought. And so first thing is to just catch it. And then run through the waterfall, the steer process of how does that thought make me feel? So the situation is I looked in the mirror. The thought is I look tired. I have bags under my eyes. What emotion does that make me feel? That makes me feel kind of down, depressed, um, makes me feel old, although that's not really a feeling. Um, And then actions. What actions do I take from that emotion? I might, um, you know, go buy some eye cream. I might um, look for, a, you know, kind of fish for a compliment from my husband. Um, I might look for ways to get validated rather than validating myself. And what results does that create? It's like, well, I probably have a smaller bank account. My husband might be annoyed with me because he's like, I told you you looked great yesterday. By the way, I do have a tendency to fish for compliments from my husband and he totally calls me out on it all the time. <sighs> Sigh. Anyway, so Step two is to run through the steer process in your mind and then choose a more empowering thought. So going back to my example, if I look in the mirror and I say to myself, I look tired, I have these bags under my eyes, I could choose to steer my thought to, you know what, actually looking tired has a lot more to do with my energy and the attitude and the radiance that I bring to my day rather than what's going on with my eyes. And so I am going to choose to positively and proactively amp up my energy. Maybe I'm going to listen to some you know, great music or something like that. I'm going to choose to amp up my energy so that I, A, don't feel tired, I feel more energized, and B, then I will look more energized and not tired. And at the end of the day, how I look really is all in my head. It, I cannot change the thoughts of anybody else who's looking at me. It's all how I choose to view myself. So step four is to remember that you have the power to create your own experience with the story you tell yourself. Be the hero of your own story, all right? That is your small, confident body action step for this week. And if there's anything in this episode that has helped you, please share it with a friend. There's just one person out there who you think might be able to feel a little bit better, like maybe maybe it's not my fault that I've struggled. Maybe I'm not the problem. Maybe there is hope. I would count that as a win. So please share this with one friend. That would be amazing. And if you would like to learn all of my tips for weight loss and feeling amazing in your skin, please check out my book, You Are a Miracle. It's available on Amazon. And remember, love yourself because there's one person you talk to more than anyone else, you. Make that conversation something that helps you be who you want to be in the world rather than a conversation that keeps you playing small. You have something special and unique to bring to this world. There is only one you. There is no competition on the field of gratitude when you are unique. There's literally one of a kind, one you. And you were meant to bring what you have to the world. We need you to shine your light. 
And the first step on that journey is of stepping into who you are and who you want to be starts with a conversation with yourself. All right. Thank you so much for being here today. Have a great week and I will talk to you next time. Thank you so much for listening today. Seriously, I know it's not a small thing and I genuinely appreciate it and I hope it helped you. Make sure you head on over to confidentbody.coach slash tips and sign up for my seven top tips for little shifts that create big results so that you can start feeling confident in your body right now. I will see you next week. And until then, remember, you are a miracle.